Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the Church RC or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thechurchrc.com. Or we'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app, available for free wherever you download your apps. Now here's Pastor Brian Sparks. And, uh, and a lot of times we look at everybody else and think that they are the one, but God is saying, no, you are the one. I put you here for a reason. And our theme verse for this, uh, this uh, series and, and for this theme for the whole year is 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. You got a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, it's okay. We'll have it up here on the screens. I'm reading it out of the message translation. It says, but you are the, one, the ones chosen by God chosen for a high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. You are the one. Amen. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. If you're taking notes today, you can title this message, Unlikely Heroes. Unlikely Heroes. Heroes, just go ahead and turn to the neighbor of your choice and say, I can be your hero, baby. Come on, you can do it in your best Enrique voice. Put your inner Latino on. Come on, do it. Guys, do it. I can be your hero, baby. Right? Unlikely heroes. I don't know uh, how many of y'all are like me, but I grew up and I love superhero movies. If I was really honest, I still love superhero movies. There's something about a superhero that just fires you up, right? It just, it gets you excited. It it gets you pumped up. And I love it because I have a son. So it's not weird for me to go see these movies. My son wants to go see them. I go, okay, son, I guess I'll take you to see them. Yeah, it's really a bad deal. Here's the thing. I love being at the superhero movies. I don't know what I'm going to do when he gets grown, but that's, we're still going to watch superhero movies. It's just something about it that fires me up. It's something about it that gets me excited. And, you know, and, and most, most of us have a favorite superhero. Maybe your favorite superhero is Batman. Any Batman people in here? No? I'm really disappointed in, in the billionaires out there that they haven't done something with all that money. I mean, because that's all he is, is he's a superhero, that, but he was a billionaire, right? And then how about, how many of y'all uh, like uh, Spider-Man? Anybody Spider-Man people? Spider-Man, anybody? No? No? What is wrong with you people? Are y'all with me? You tracking here? Or am I preaching to myself? I'll just preach over here. It's okay. I'm getting about the same response out of the drum set that I would get. (laughs) Spider-Man people, any Spider-Man? Come on. No? No Spider-Man. All right, what else we got? Come on. Uh, How about, how about, do we have any Wonder Woman? Come on. Wonder Woman people. Girl power. Wonder Woman. Huh? How about Captain America? Come on, somebody. America. That ain't Captain America. It's Captain Underpants. Superman. Come on. There we go. We got a little bit of response. 
Come on, we got all these superheroes. And when we think of superheroes, right? we think of some kind of superpower. And uh, in prepping for this message, I was, I was just kind of talking to people and asking them, hey, if you could pick any superpower, what would it be? Right, like just asking around. And, and so the, the most common answer that I got, obviously, because Superman is your favorite, is the ability to fly, right? Because that would be awesome if you could just fly anywhere. Uh, and and that, that would be a really cool superpower. So that was the overwhelming answer. Most people said, I'd want the ability to fly. Uh, some, some other people said that they, they actually took it up a notch and they said they just want to, to be able to automatically think of someplace and be there. Right? They just wanted to automatically, like, and my wife specifically said, I want to be able to think of Disney World and be there. That's, that was her thing. Uh, we had Jimmy here. He's the only guy. He said, I want superhuman strength. Makes sense. He likes to lift weights. Superhuman strength. We had a few nosy people that wanted the ability to be able to read minds. Oh, nosy. But they wanted to be, they also stated, I want to be able to turn it on and turn it off because you don't always want to know what people are thinking, right? We had one really greedy person that said that they wanted to be able to turn anything into cash. How is that a superpower? Really? I mean, it's awesome. Got the Midas touch, I guess. Just everything into cash, cold, hard cash that there's there's a when we think of superheroes we think of something superhuman we think of something that that is unattainable honestly but maybe being a hero is much more attainable than what we think maybe it's much more likely than what we really aspire to be. Maybe if we really were honest, a hero isn't the definition of what we've always thought it is. What is a hero? I mean, what, what is it? And here's the thing is, is that immediately when we hear the term hero, if, if for some, maybe some of you have done something heroic. Maybe you've, uh, you've saved somebody's life. Maybe you did something amazing. May, may, maybe that's you. And automatically what happens is, is when somebody tries to put the term hero on us, we automatically push it away. Right? Automatically, you see somebody that's done something heroic on the news. And what do they say? I'm not a hero. Come on. I just did what anybody else would have done. I, I, I'm no hero. I, because we think a hero has superpowers, but I'm not a hero. I mean, I, I'm just a normal person. I put my jeans on one leg at a time. Come on. I, I'm just a normal Everyday person. I'm no hero. Jonathan Smith was at the Route 91 concert in Vegas. We were actually in Vegas for a conference this week and uh, drove by and saw where this tragic event took place. But Jonathan Smith was there at the concert. He's actually celebrating uh, something with his family, just hanging out, uh, having a good time. Come on, it's, it's just a normal day. And, and, and when the shooting started, all of a sudden, Jonathan, everybody else is running away and trying to get, come on, save themselves. And Jonathan goes, no, you, I, I, I have to help people. So he springs into action and he begins to, to rescue people that are pinned down. He begins to get them to safety. And, and he's running back and forth and saying, no, come, come with me. I can get you over here. And he began to get people. To, first he saved his family and then he started saving strangers. Wow. 
In all, he had 30 people that he had rescued before he was finally shot in the neck. He was taken to the hospital and he's recovering. Everything's good. He's alive and well, but he's recovering. And I mean, everybody is talking about Jonathan Smith. He's a hero. Rescued 30 people. Come on. Chelsea Clinton said he's a hero on Twitter. I mean, that's official. Walked in and do the interview with Jonathan and they said, Jonathan, everybody is calling you a hero. And this is what he said. He goes, I don't see myself that way. I would want someone to do the same thing for me, right? I don't see myself that way. I'm not a hero. Immediately, he begins to push the term away. I'm no hero. I'm just a normal person. I did what anybody else would have done. And even though Jonathan Smith would not call himself a hero, I think there's probably 30 people out there that are alive right now that would say, absolutely, Jonathan Smith is a hero. However unlikely it is, he's a hero. He didn't wake up that morning and go, I'm going to be a hero today. I'm going to do it. I just feel like doing something heroic. Huh? What is a hero? I think society has the wrong definition of hero because we think heroes, Batman, hero, Superman. We have this mentality to where we think a hero has to have something superhuman about them. But here's the true definition of a hero is a hero sees what everyone else sees, but they choose to do what no one else does. That's what a hero really is, right? That, that if we're real honest, it's somebody who sees what everybody else is seeing. But they choose to do what no one else is doing. That's why, come on, we look at firemen. Firemen are heroes. Policemen, they're heroes. They see the same things that are going on. Military, they're heroes. They see what's going on. They choose to do something different. They choose to act. They choose, they make a decision that I'm going to do something different. But what does that look like for the rest of us? Huh? What does that look like for just us normal people, us ordinary folks? What does that look like? The truth is, is that most, the most unlikely people can be the most likely heroes. We saw a video about Brittany, and Brittany said, you know what, I'm just going to do something normal. I'm going to go to a country, I don't know anybody, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to go and love kids that need love. Now, most of us would go, well, that's not very heroic, but to those children, it's pretty heroic. It's pretty heroic to use your money to go somewhere and do something that no one else is doing. It's something spectacular about that, but we write it off as like it's nothing. You know, the truth is, is that I think every one of us can be a hero if we're just willing to be used by God. Every one of us can do that. You know, Moses was an unlikely hero. Uh, Moses grew up in a day and age. He was, he was born in Egypt and there was a, a, a decree that had been written by the Pharaoh that said that all the Israelite children had to be killed. 
It's a bad deal, and especially if you're a pregnant woman and, and know that they're saying that you have to kill your baby whenever it's born. That's, a, that's not a cool thing. And uh, Moses' mom went against this decree. She's an unlikely hero because she looked at her baby and she said, no, I'm not going to let that happen. So she builds a boat. She puts him in a river and says, God, do your thing. I've done what I can do. You do your thing. And God's hand is upon Moses and, and he shows up and he arrives at a place where the Pharaoh's wife finds him. She takes the child. She Hey, I'm not letting this baby go. She takes it into the palace and says, you know, come on. She, wear, she, she runs the palace. That's what, the way it works. And I don't care what you said. I know he's an Israelite. Doesn't matter to me. He's a baby and I'm going to keep him. And so Moses is brought up in the Pharaoh's house. The very place that said that he should die raised him to be a man. And what's, what's incredible is though, is that Moses, even though he had this life of luxury, I mean, he had everything. He's in a palace. He grew up in a palace, but he knew his heritage. He knew who he was. He knew that he was an Israelite. He knew all of this. And even though he's in the Pharaoh's home, he sees this oppression that's taking place in his people. He sees that they're being abused. They're, they're in slavery and they're, they're, they're being tortured and abused. And, and Moses, even though he has everything that he wants and everything that he needs, he can't stomach it anymore. One day he's walking along and he sees a soldier beating an Israelite, one of his people, and he can't take it anymore and he snaps and he kills the soldier, buries him. Realizing that he's done something extremely wrong. Come on, I don't know about you, but murder's wrong. If you don't think murder's wrong, you need to go to another church. We're full up. But if... Yeah, anyway, but, but here he is and he goes, man, I've done something wrong. So he takes off, he flees into the desert. And I, I, I'm, I'm always so amazed by how God works because if I'm God, which I'm obviously not God, but if I'm God and I'm sitting back going, you know what? I need somebody to free my people. I'm gonna look for somebody that's a lot better than Moses. Because, but God looks at Moses and goes, murderer, check. Runaway, check. In the middle of nowhere, check. Yeah, he's my man. That's not my guy, that's not the resume that I'm looking for, right? I'm looking for holier than thou. Huh? Never sinned, perfect in every way. Tall, handsome, huh? Super strong. That's what I'm, lo- I'm looking for a resume that's awesome. But God looks at Moses and goes, yeah, I can use you. Looks at Moses and says, you're the one I want to use. Yeah, you're a murderer. Yeah, you're a runaway. Yeah, you're in the middle of nowhere, but that's not a big deal to me. You're the one I want to use. God shows up and he begins to talk to Moses and say, Moses, you're the man. We see this in Exodus 3, verse 1 through 4. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, 
And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn out. I don't know about you, but I'd be a little curious about this too. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush saying, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Just skip down to verse seven for time's sake. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. Now, I just wanna pause just for a moment because I, maybe you're here in this place and you find yourself in a very difficult situation. You find yourself maybe in an unbearable situation. Maybe it's sickness, maybe it's financial, maybe it's marriage problems, whatever it is. Maybe it's job, maybe, I, 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 whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And maybe you've been praying and asking God to do something. And here's the thing is I feel like this, that there's some of you in this place and you think God is not hearing you. God has not done anything, he's not moving, and you think, man, he must not be going to do anything. And, 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 and you're, you're, he's completely silent on the matter. It doesn't seem like anything's gonna happen. It doesn't seem like anything's working out. And I love this passage when in times like that, and I want you to hear this because there's times like that as a pastor that I feel that way too. And whenever I feel that way, this passage of scripture right here encourages me because God says this, I have heard, I have seen, and I'm concerned. Right? I have heard, I have seen, and I'm concerned. And maybe you're here today and you think God hasn't heard me, God hasn't seen me, and God's not concerned about me. And I want you to know that that is exactly the wrong response. That's exactly the wrong thought that is in your head. Because here's the thing, is God has heard, God has seen, and God's concerned. And just because you don't see him working on your behalf does not mean that he is not working behind the scenes. Here's the thing, God does the greatest miracles behind the scenes. You don't even know it's happening. You don't even even know he's working it out for your good but all the time while you think he's quiet he's busy working behind the scenes in the middle of nowhere he's working on an answer for your prayer I'm sure the Israelites thought God doesn't hear me God hasn't seen me God's not concerned about me we prayed and asked to be delivered but God is working behind the scenes just because he hasn't done anything yet doesn't mean that he's not going to do something soon Amen. So Moses is here and God says, I've heard, I've seen, and I'm concerned, and I have a solution. In verse 10, God says to Moses, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And upon this, Moses isn't pumped. He's not excited. He's not like, yes, yes. Finally, I've got something. No, immediately Moses starts coming up with excuses. How many of you are good at coming up with an excuse? Come on, I can excuse my way out of anything. Come on, I can't go to the gym today. It's not Monday. You only work out on Mondays, everybody knows that. 
right? You, you only start on Monday. Here's the thing is I can come up with an excuse for about anything. And, and Moses is no different. He, he, that's kind of why I love Moses because he's sitting back and he's like, man, I can come up with an excuse. God, you're calling me. You're saying that this is the one. You got to understand now, Moses, uh, God shows up and calls Moses and says, hey, Moses, I'm calling you to go set my people free. Now, what you have to understand is essentially this is what Moses is. Moses is a guy who is living in his in-law's basement, eating Doritos and playing World of Warcraft. Some of you are like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong, nothing wrong. What, what, the, what, what he's doing and he's saying, God, uh, uh, I, I don't know if you, I think you showed up you, you paged the wrong, you, you got the wrong bush here. You, you, you showed up in the wrong place. You, this isn't the right guy. You, you got somebody else. And immediately he starts coming up with excuses of why he can't do what God is asking him to do. And every time Moses comes up with an excuse, God comes up with an unlikely response. He gives a very likely excuse. And God comes up with a very unlikely response. Response. The first excuse Moses gives at this call, he says, God, who am I? In verse 11, says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God, who am I? Now, here's the thing is that I don't think for a moment that Moses forgot who he was. Come on. He's not having an identity crisis, right? He knows exactly who he is. I'm Mo. Huh? I'm in the middle of a desert and I'm talking to a bush. <laughs> weird days, man. This is weird. So, so here he is. He, he does it not for a minute. Is he thinking, I don't know who I am. He knows exactly who he is. And he says, God, who am I? What he's saying is, God, I don't have the position to do what you're asking me to do. God, you need somebody with authority. God, you need somebody that's in the palace. You need somebody. If you, want, if you want to deliver a message and deliver your people from Egypt, then you need to call on somebody else because you don't know who I am. I don't have any power. I don't have any position. And I think that's what so many times, that's, we're, we, we always are making excuses about why we can't do something for God. God, I don't have the position to do what you're asking me to do. I, I, don't, I don't have that kind of a, that's why we look to people that we think have more authority than us. We expect the president to fix. We expect a mayor to fix. We expect a principal to fix. And the truth is, is that we're saying, I don't have the authority or the position to do what you're asking me to do, God. I don't have that kind of power. I don't, I don't have that kind of position. And I love what God responds. God responds, he says, I will be with you. I will be with you. I, who am I? God says, I will be with you. See, what God is saying in this moment is this. I'm not really concerned about who you are because I know who I am. And if I'm with you, we're going to be just fine. If I'm on your side, come on, we're going to be okay. If I'm on your side, it doesn't matter what you face. We're going to be all good. 
See, here's what's amazing that you need to know is that God's presence with you will, come, will overcome every imperfection in you. God's presence with you will overcome every imperfection in you. And a lot of times we're going to God, I don't have the authority to do, I don't have the power, I don't have the position, I'm not anybody, I can't do what you're asking me to do. And God is saying, I will be with you. And if I'm with you, if I'm on your side, it doesn't matter what you think that you're not, I am everything that you need. Not concerned about what you're not. Because I know who I am. Braylee, my daughter, uh, growing up, she loved uh, going to Chuck E. Cheese. All the kids, parents in here, you know what? I called it the dirty rat. Um, she loved Chuck E. Cheese and uh, we, she loved playing the game. She loved the pizza. She loved everything about Chuck E. Cheese except for Chuck E. Cheese himself. I don't know what it was about Chuck E. Cheese, but scared her out of her, I mean, like, there's like, oh no, it's scary, run away. No, there, this is screaming, like blood curdling screaming and running away. And every time she'd be having fun, she's playing games. And as soon as that rat would come out and make an appearance, because it does it every now and then, make an appearance. She would see the rat out of the corner of her eye. She would scream and she would immediately run to me. And she was good. She wasn't scared anymore. She'd grab a hold of my leg, she'd hang out. And here's the thing, is that she knew that there was nothing to be afraid of as long as I was with her. And I think that a lot of times that we get so afraid of things in our lives and callings on our life that we forget who's with us. And as long as God is with us, what are you afraid of? As long as the creator of the universe is with you, what are you so afraid of? What are we afraid of? God, I don't have the position, but I have you. What am I afraid of? What am I so afraid? afraid of. And Moses comes up with what he thought was a good excuse of, I don't have the position, God. God says, no, I'll be with you. And then all of a sudden he goes, okay, well, that didn't work. I guess I'll come up with another excuse. So he gives God another excuse and he goes, God, I don't have the skills. I don't have the skills to do what you're asking me to do. In Exodus 4.1, it says, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? Huh? What if they don't listen to what I say? What if, what if they say the Lord didn't appear to you because I'm not that convincing, God? And God says, his response is this. I can use whatever you have and make it great. Because he says this, the Lord said to Moses, what is in your hand? Moses replies, a staff. The Lord said, throw it on the ground So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And I love this. It says that he ran away. Amen. That's a good word right there. Here's the thing is that God is looking at Moses and Moses is looking at everything that he's not. And God, he goes, well, God, I can't convince people. I can't, I can't do, I can't convince. I don't have the skills to convince people that I'm here to do what you're telling me that I'm here to do. And God says, what is in your hand? 
And Moses says, it's just a simple staff. And God says this, throw it on the ground and, I, and he makes it become a snake. What God is saying this is, is I can take what you call practical and I can make it powerful. Something that you use on a daily basis just to get around. Something that you use uh, just, just as an ordinary thing. I can take it and I can make it something powerful. If you just, and, and here's the thing, is that God, if you can take a stick and make it convince somebody that, 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 uh, y- that you are on my side, then what else can you do with everything in my life? See, here's the thing is that you're talking about everything you don't have and God's asking, are you using what you do have? Are you using what you have in your hand? Because we talk about what's not in our hand. God, I don't have the voice like Candace. God, I can't play keyboard. God, I can't preach. God, I can't. God's saying, I don't care what you don't have. What do you have in your hand? What are you calling ordinary that God could make extraordinary? What can God use? God, you know everything in my life. You know everything that I have. What can you take of mine and use to do something great? Because God, if you breathe on whatever I have, I know that it'll become powerful. God can use what you have. And so he gives Moses the last, or Moses gives God the last excuse. He says this, God, I don't have the words. Because Moses was a stutterer. Now, again, I go back to, isn't it amazing that God picks a stutterer to deliver a message? God, really? Somebody who... God, don't you need somebody who speaks eloquently? That's what Moses said. Don't you need somebody who can speak eloquently, who can talk? Not that. St- don't you need somebody better than me? Because let's go back to the resume, God. I'm a murderer. I'm a runaway. I'm in the middle of nowhere. And let's add stutterer to the list. And you're really calling me? You're really saying that you want to use me? And God says this. I know your inadequacy. I created you. I know your flaws. I made you. I know what's wrong with you. I created you. And here's what's incredible is that we think that our inadequacies, our inadequacies take us out of the running for what God is wanting to do. And actually what it does is it sets the stage for God's greatest miracles because nobody's gonna look at you and go, yeah, you deserve, oh, I can see how you, you're the most talented person. No, God wants to take the person that, uh, that everybody else has written off, the person with the worst history, the person with the worst past and say, you know what? I can use them to do something great. And everybody's gonna look at them and say, if it wasn't for God, Something's different about their life if it wasn't for God. How can this be? Let me ask you this question. If God isn't concerned about what you can't do, should you be? 
issues and concern about your inadequacies? Should you be? If God's calling you and he knows everything that you're not and you keep giving excuses of why you can't, maybe it's time to stop making excuses and saying, God, you know everything about me. You created me. You made me. You formed me. you're saying you're the one if you're saying I'm the one here I am see it comes come to find out God is not looking for superhuman strength God isn't looking for the ability to fly God isn't looking for the ability to read minds God isn't looking for anything like that what God is looking for and what he searches the earth for is somebody with a willingness to say yes God, if you're calling me, I'll go. God, if you want to send me, I'll do it. God, if you want me to give, I don't have the money, all the money in the world, but I'm willing to give. God, I don't have the skills, but if you're calling me, I'm willing to serve. God, if you say that I can be something greater than what I think I am, then here I am me see we look at people and we think that there's something amazing about them that they have they have these incredible uh they must have this incredible uh talent on their life and the truth is is the only talent they have is god here i am send me god here i am use me god if you call i will go you know i don't have position you know I don't have the skills you know I don't have the words but the one word that I do have is this God yes I will do whatever you call me to do with every head bowed every eye closed church it's time to stop writing yourself off time to stop excusing your way out the the things that you see you see them because God wants you to do something about them and all along we're sitting back and we're saying God send somebody to fix this problem and God's saying you are the one think you're an unlikely hero, but that doesn't mean that you're not who I'm calling. You see what no one else sees, now it's time to do what no one else is doing. Lord, I pray, God, we'd be a church that says yes. Lord, every walk of life, every history, every past, every failure, God, but we have a willingness to say yes to whatever you're calling us to do. God, if you're calling us to do something, God, we are willing to say yes to your call. We're willing to do whatever you tell us to do. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray, God, that we would stop making excuses.
God, we would start being the church that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. At the Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you'd like to contribute financially, you can go online to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com.